Okay, hello everyone and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Donaldson and I am your host, but joining me today to co-host is... Peter Wesley Salmon. Hope you're all doing well. And I hope everyone survived Barbenheimer. It was a real crunch. Oh, it was, a, it was crunch. a wild time, yeah. It was, I it was a wild to, time. Uh, I went to screenings, both absolutely packed and... Um, I uh, IMAX. IMAX was sold out. I couldn't see it in IMAX yet. Oh. Oppenheimer. Obviously, Barbie, that's, you can't. <laughs> One day, a... maybe. That'd be wild, but no. None of those Barbie IMAX screens were available. Yeah, so I've seen Oppenheimer, but have I seen the true Oppenheimer? You know? It's been crazy. <laughs> all right, well, we're going to get into all that shortly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We're here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which this week will be the new meta fantasy comedy and the first half of Barbenheimer, which is Barbie. And, of course, you can see that now in a theater near you, assuming uh, it's not sold out. I mean, not, not again, well, we'll get to Barbie uh, in the second half of the show, but, uh, I mean, it was. I went to an 11.30 a.m. screening of Barbie, and it was almost full. Um, I went so, to... Um... Uh, 7 p.m. one and it was yeah it was fully full but um i i guess that was the day of so yeah not surprising 11 you said 11 like 11 30 afternoon that's 11 30 a.m yeah okay yeah any specific was... like uh age demographic at that time no it was mixed damn it was families uh seniors uh adults yeah that's beautiful it, it is beautiful i agree um for the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some movie news, which is something we don't do a lot anymore, but uh, it just feels like there's a lot going on. So we've uh, set up three topics. Uh, none of them are Barbenheimer. Well, I guess one of them is kind of tangentially related to Barbenheimer. Um, so we're going to talk about this phenomenon of The Sound of Freedom, this um, movie released by an independent, mostly Christian movie studio that has been the hit of the summer almost literally the hit of the summer given uh how much they spent making it and marketing it and how much money it's made so far uh we're also going to talk about what the summer box office says about movies in general and how so many of these big franchises have sort of floundered this summer and we're also going to talk about the writers and actor strike it's now a double strike can when candace and i talked about the writer strike when it started i guess that was in june uh it was just the writers but now the actors have joined uh so in the interest of democracy peter uh we have three topics uh do you have any particular interest of where you would like to start with our discussion about movie news uh yeah do you want to start with talking about the sound of freedom i would like to start by talking about the sound of you you, you i you, personally was yeah. not uh fully aware of it until you mention it but i have done some research and okay uh, you've done your own research it's it's, it's scary it's scary the uh, the amount it's made mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. well let's talk if, if people don't know sound of freedom is this movie uh that is supposedly based on the true life story of a man named tim ballard who used to be an employee of the Department of Homeland Security in the United States and uh, supposedly a CIA asset at one point. Um, he has since gone on to some, shall we say, relative uh, infamy uh, for his group, Our Underground Railroad, which supposedly goes into places and breaks up these sex trafficking rings in places like uh, southern 
South, South America, places like Africa, um, Eastern Europe. So like all the proverbial hot spots for human trafficking. Uh, there is some degree of, shall we say, skepticism about Tim Ballard's track record. And actually, he was recently asked to leave his organization, Operation Underground Railroad. That that's been under sort of some cloud of suspicion. That I'm I'm actually not fully aware of the details. But since this is a movie show, let's talk about the the movie aspect. Um, part of which is it stars Jim Caviezel, who people may remember as uh, Jesus in the Passion of the Christ. Yes, not the superstar. <laughs> a different Jesus, a different Jesus Christ, different Jesus. Passion, yeah. Well, the the one who represents, I guess, the passion, the passion of the Christ, right? The Gibson one. Well, that was that was the name of the movie. That, yeah. that classic, yeah. Still waiting, still waiting for the sequel. I think, I think. Well, Caviezel and Gibson are always threatening a sequel. Well, how would what would the sequel be about? After the resurrection, it'd be like the, the period after the resurrection and when he and when Jesus ascends. Oh, okay. I guess <laughs> that's the boring Ooh. stuff uh i mean that's yeah that'd be a that'd be sort of like almost blatantly over the top spiritual but um jim caviezel is uh sort of become well known for uh shall we say QAnon leanings he's been talking heavily about uh adrenochrome farms and uh child trafficking to produce this adrenochrome substance which is something a pharmacist can literally give you so you don't really need to torture children in order to get it but it also um doesn't give you the special fountain of youth properties that people like jim caviezel talks about i also wasn't aware until mm -hmm. that started making the news that he was american i honestly just assumed he was from uh i don't know like bethlehem or or somewhere (laughs) in that region right because uh, mel gibson himself isn't from the states he's from he's closer you could say to areas of the middle east so i i Bill like, Gibson I, is Australian, you're right. Yeah, that's what I mean. I always just kind of assumed it was nice. No, you're right, he's just a QAnon American. <laughs> he's, he's from QAnon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what, what's crazy is, um, Jim. first of all, if you want to hear about Jim, how kind of crazy Jim Caviezel's gotten, um, there's actually a whole episode of QAnon Anonymous that's dedicated to Jim Caviezel. So apparently he's been going down this road for quite a while. Um, if, he he did this show, and I was a big fan of this show called Person of Interest, where he plays a former CIA agent who um, works with a billionaire, and they're given names from an artificial intelligence of people in trouble, and then they save the people. And um, apparently, during the course of the series, Jim Caviezel got in his head that he has like real life, like fight training, and would get a little bit too real with his fighting on the set, so they'd have to stop having him in fight scenes because he, he was actually like hurting the other stunt people in the fights. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that's yeah, and that's just embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Just embarrassing. Um it's... I I the plot of the film mm-hmm. I looked through and it yeah. is it's mm-hmm. have you viewed have you viewed the film? I've oscillated between wanting to see it and not wanting to have my name in a file somewhere as having to it, pay hard, for a ticket. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm looking through and it seems to be focused heavily on sex trafficking. Um, but the way it deals with that is through child modeling mm-hmm. and there's um, sex workers and everything. And all of those individuals are just portrayed in very bad ways. And even if not directly, you can tell that it's really 
um the people getting excited for it the people are growing are the same ones very against drag and you know mm-hmm. any kids involvement in the uh lgbtq uh community um and yeah just i've read the whole plot i've looked at the trailers and everything and it's just written it's just written with all that and not any accuracy or like at all it's it's sad really well it's uh, it's even worse than that because you have people like general michael flynn who are like basically uh you know recruiting people into QAnon through the movie and i mean there are a lot of people out there and i i complete because i'm one of the things that got this started for me is um guelph mayor cam guthrie went and saw it and tweeted about it uh, okay. and my response yeah, is like <laughs> my response is like whoa 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 hold on a second here you might want to learn a little bit more about tim ballard and jim caviezel beforehand mm-hmm. and i got like a lot of response from people like look it's raising an issue about sex trafficking and you know protecting children what's wrong with that and it's like well what's wrong with that number a is tim ballard is a shady character number two jim caviezel is like red pilled up the wazoo and three anyone who works in the area of human trafficking will tell you that this version of of human and this is not to say that people aren't tra- or trafficked and that um there isn't organized crime involvement in human trafficking but like the vast majority of people who end up trafficked adults and children end up in that position because of people they know not because some stranger put a hood over their head and threw them in the back of a van yes exactly it is um immensely more common than you might think and it's usually yeah a family member or mm-hmm. um someone that you know mm-hmm. it's not usually connected to uh the child modeling or whatever is presented in the film um, right. drag or or anything like that mm-hmm. um yeah it's just fueled through lies and that's that's scary what what also scares me about it is how successful the uh jesus revolution was uh mm-hmm. last year um mm-hmm. i also want to note i i myself i'm not anti you know like religion or anything it's just Mm. i don't appreciate how focused on social conservative it is and how you know damaging that can be to the uh already growing division in uh, the the north america when it comes to uh left and right social views and um you know the gay community or also the fact that like this is how you you know sort of radicalize people you don't you know, give them the full crazy version, but you start planting ideas in their head. Yeah, it's just a 90 minute film. Exactly. You know, there's there's, you know, there's whole whole works, you know, it's not an appropriate um, source to have as your at least as your main one. And I, and I appreciate that, you know, it, you know, it's a it's a movie. And I would never say to anyone, don't see a movie. But I would also say go into this with the idea that number one, like Tim Ballard has been accused of, you know, um, using his anti-trafficking organization to line his own pockets and that b um the star believes wholeheartedly in a fantasy realm that is probably less real than anything in star wars and it's then i wanted to make a note about regarding sound of freedom sure and so monteverde and Mm -hmm. jim caviziel at least who he played in the passion of christ Mm -hmm. they're catholic Mm-hmm. They are not Christian. Well, obviously Catholics are Christian, but I think Catholics would be would know what I'm saying. They're Catholic. They're not yeah. Christian, right? Right, right. right but right. the company Angel Studios is just the broad Christian, so it's yeah. not even religion, even though it is that is the main one of the main themes he makes because he knows people love that, right? It's literally just 
social conservatism. That's it. It's not, it's connected to the religion, but not to his Catholic or directly to any of the other Christians. He just knows that a lot of them hold social conservative views. Not all, of course, but a lot mm. do. Mm-hmm. And he just put a sprinkle of religion to make a lot more people watch this film, which is more just his social views. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just something I, 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 in a weird way, I guess that's good. It's not super Catholic or just Christian, but I, I, it just makes it clear to me what his, his direct in, intent was. Um, well, I would also point and, out yeah. that one of the executive producers of the film um, is currently awaiting sentencing on Medicare fraud. So. Yes. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> if there's, you know, you know, a Medicare is, you know, so is, you know, socialized medicine for poor people in the United States. So, I mean, yeah. just and again, a, another social conservative view, not not even really directly connected to uh, religion. He's just using it as a like I said, yeah, heavy theme to get people to pay attention. All right. Well, moving on to other news items, uh, it's worth noting at this point, uh, Sound of Freedom has made one hundred twenty four point seven million dollars at the U.S. box office, even more than Jesus Revolution last year, the John Irwin. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's, made bank. It's a yeah, this is like blockbuster territory Um, to. To sort of paint the picture of where this is. Uh, where's my number for Indiana Jones here? I mean, it's made as much money as Indiana Jones made. Indiana Jones made in its opening weekend. Yeah, but so, you got to do ratio to budget, right? And the budget for this film, Sound of Freedom, is like not even fifteen million. So that's that's an exceptional. Well, I, it, but on the other hand, it's Indiana Jones, and Indiana Jones shouldn't be working this hard to get to three hundred and fifty-five million dollars worldwide, almost a month into release. And it's, I mean, it's emblematic of. Uh, kind of the the failure of of uh box office of of these franchises and when you're looking at something like well fast x is an unusual example it's made 140 46 million in the u.s and canada but it's made 704 <laughs> worldwide <laughs> oh so well, people... i love that action especially in china it's their go-to is the visuals and the action right which yeah like, people love I, the action i, I, I totally get but alternatively you know something like the flash which we didn't get a chance to review but the flash is i i looked at box office mojo it fell out of the top 25 on last weekend so it's not even ranking um it is available on it sorry go ahead is it available on streaming yet see i don't even remember it being heavily presented on that very strange yeah it's on vod Um, now it's on premium vod so you can rent it at home for the premium ticket price well and then Uh, in comparison all this to asteroid city uh it's made double double its its budget mm -hmm. you know and uh marvel just recently announced that they're going to cut back on a lot of their their following ones so it, it doesn't even seem to be blockbusters necessarily it's just like marvel and like the heavily uh, and DC films, I guess we'll see how the uh, Beetle or whatever a uh, weird Blue Beetle one, how Blue Beetle does, you know. <laughs> well, Blue so Beetle. I think, was... I think a lot of people are just done with with Marvel and and DC or at least their uh, films. Well, to, to... oh, but you said uh, Indiana Jones too, right? Well, so Indiana Jones is a fran- Marvel franchise. People are, are are done are done with the. With the franchise. Um, well, I would point out Guardians of the Galaxy is the second highest grossing movie of the year so far. Yeah, but it still did way less than the first two. 
Uh, did it? I think it's because it's at 843 million worldwide right now. So I think that's probably in the strike zone with the others. But um, Spider-Man it's also is... it's the finale. So, I mean, that could be it, too. It, I mean, it, it's also got. But, you know, when we're talking about like quality, when we're talking about like quality blockbuster filmmaking like Barbenheimer, you know, that the guardians of the galaxy movies have that singular voice it's you know you don't get those guardians without james gunn behind the camera so i think yeah exactly well and james gunn still seems to get a lot of attention so Mm -hmm. we'll wait until his next directed and we'll see how that goes which is superman yes (laughs) and not till next year if that right Uh, i think it's 25 his superman comes out in 2025 they just cast the two i can't remember the guy who's playing superman but rachel brosnahan as lois lane mm. so that's oh, interesting that's a good that's good casting yeah i like her um the 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 dc thing is of it is interesting like blue beetle was one of these movies that was supposed to come out on uh the the hbo max site in the states and i guess it would probably would have gotten a, a release on crave here as well but um, it's being released in theaters instead. I the only thing I'm excited for is the lead uh, Zola Meridiana. He uh, I I really when I was younger liked Parenthood where he's a main character, and then mm. um, I haven't watched all of it. But I Cobra Kai is cool, and I just I like you said it makes total sense. That it's going to go to HBO Go because he's he's a TV guy. I don't know if I've ever seen him on the big screen, so I think that's cool for him. I, 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 but that makes total sense that it was supposed to be on a streaming because he's that he's a TV guy. He's a TV guy. Well, also makes... maybe, maybe <laughs> this just by happenstance, you know, they didn't, they, they, this random switch that'll change. That'll change. It, it also know? makes total sense because that blue beetle, like I've seen that trailer so many times because they keep playing in front of movies. Um, it looks like such a power Rangers thing. It looks like, well, no, it was it wasn't a Power Rangers. It was this Power Rangers rip off. It was something like Big Bad Beetleborgs or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It does look like that. But, or I guess you could say since uh, they're animals, slightly like uh, the War Beasts, right? So tra- Transformers War Beasts. <laughs> Speaking of which, did, did you know there was a Transformers movie released this summer? Yes, I did. I didn't see it, <laughs> but uh, my one friend did, and he swears it was you know it was okay. It was it was in some aspects better than the. Um, earlier uh the bay films, films. Uh, yeah. bay films bay films yeah i was about to say brooks michael Bro- yeah the bay films <laughs> michael brooks. <laughs> michael brooks films <laughs> you haven't seen his renditions of transformers apparently not i thought you were a cinephile okay, okay. <laughs> um it, it is interesting that um uh, and i've heard some relatively positive things about rise of the beast too which is uh, Stephen carl who did uh creed 2 previously it seems like fun it seems like fun uh the, the child actors fun. actually seem they seem like pretty good okay yeah i i've been since it is on home vod now i was thinking about queuing like splurging and then queuing it up just to see what it was like i um, also want to say there was also a power rangers film this year once and always and it was it was really good i recommend oh the one it. on netflix i uh, yeah the one on netflix i recommend it to any uh power rangers fans uh, including there... those like me where it was like you know like late 90s early 2000s you liked it it's got a lot of it's for us too so yeah I'll put that out there. It was probably not for me because I was in high school and that show was on. Yeah, um, probably probably not. <laughs> um, 
it'll be interesting to see. I mean, because there's another Marvel movie coming up this year, the Marvels, which is going to be an interesting test case because it's it features three characters, two of whom are known only through TV shows. Um, and then uh, there's also Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom, which will be interesting because from what I heard over the weekend, they're now doing a third round of reshoots. That's not usually good. No, that is not usually good. So it'll be int- so. I mean, it could be a thing like we we see the movie and it's like, well, you never would have guessed that they had to go back three times to fix some things. But at, at the yeah, same everybody time, loves, everybody, it's one of those where like we were all really like Momoa, so it might just do good because of that. And I know we really like Brie Larson, so even though Captain Marvel was like not as successful, it still made and it still went over its budget. So I think the Marvels and I think Aquaman would be okay, but I do think there will be a note of it still being lower than than the previous two. Well, I mean, those two movies were are sort of like the original Captain Marvel because it comes out between Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. It's just like how much of that was just like the excitement about the the, the franchise at its like pinnacle point that drove that over the billion mark. And then the Aquaman case is interesting because I think Aquaman is the highest grossing of the DC films. Um, and I think a lot of that was driven by Momoa fever, if there is such a thing. Yeah. Also, there was um, uh, because of the uh, Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Yeah. I think a lot of people went whether to like support uh, Amber Heard or to just like, you know, get hate more watch. data. To- yeah. Hate watch. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, I, I I like Aquaman. It's probably the closest we'll ever get to a live action Masters of the Universe movie, which I'm okay with. Um, but I, I, I was I was a fan too. I was a fan too. Uh, I actually found though, it was like three. It's like three years later, I guess. But I found the underwater uh, CGI and visuals of um, Wakanda Forever was even better than Aquaman. But yeah. again, Aquaman came out years prior, so I am very curious to see 18, how it's played in the upcoming. Yeah, really? I, yeah. So like half a decade. Yeah, I just my worry is that it'll be just like the classic kind of Snyder DC, really high saturation, dark colors. You know, just yeah. not my cup of tea. But. Although it is James Wan, so it. I mean, he's oh, okay, sort of proven himself. But you're you're right about like my concern is that it's a number two DC movie, and there has yet to be like a, a direct sequel to a DC movie that has managed to even meet the expectations of the original like batman v superman sequel to man of steel you know disappoints wonder woman 1984 disappoints shazam 2 disappoints so you know it like the track record isn't working in aquaman's favor yeah uh, also i don't know myself i agree with your comment about james Wan. i just saw his films <laughs> uh yeah I, I get it i just yeah. Hey, not... malignant, malignant slaps. I don't care what anyone says. No, it does. It does. I'm. I was, <laughs> my complaint though is about the visuals, and like those visuals are pretty on par with uh, the more dark. Well, Zach he does. I mean, he's most mostly made horror movies in his. Defense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, yes, we're gonna see what happens. We're also gonna see what happens with the uh the writers and and now actors strike. It's been sixty years since both the writers and the actors were on strike at the same time, and it's been noted that this usually. These, these strikes usually happen when there's technological changes in the works. And of course, there's been a lot of talk about AI and the influences there. Um, 
One of the things I want to note, though, is uh, the actors have been on strike, I think, a couple of weeks now, and we're hearing a lot about waivers. There was uh, like they're giving waivers to, like independent films. So like films that are not being like directly funded by this the major studios. Oh, see, get... I think that's I think that's fair. Well, I mean, hold on a minute. They're also giving waivers to like people, uh, actors who are like promoting their independent movies. Um, they're giving waivers. They're potentially looking at waivers so that actors can go to award shows in the fall. That's um... no, I'm not OK with that. <laughs> So it's just um, like, can you have a strike when, you know, the union's giving out waivers left, right, and center? I don't know. Yeah, I, I do feel bad for indie directors as well. But um, mm-hmm. like you said, if certain actors are able to, you know, get a, get a pass on certain things, then mm-hmm. that's bad. And if we have to get rid of, I guess, the uh, indie not having to deal with the strike, I guess that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I totally understand. At first, I was... At least when I was younger, I remember when the first writer strike happened. Um, and well, it know, wasn't the, it wasn't the first. It was the first one you remember. I know. I'm aware of that. <laughs> I yeah, the writer strike, and I remember not really. I was just kind of mad that you know there wasn't going to be a new house season anytime soon, uh, and that you know the loss was shortened. Even though Forrest, I would say, actually one of the best, at least critically. Um, but I, I was, I guess, too young to understand the reasoning. Um, and the University of Guelph was also having, at the, around the same time, a big strike. And it, it had divided because uh, my dad was teacher's union and my mom was one of the people because she's a librarian. She had to be good. Anyways, there's a lot mm-hmm. of drama there. So now as an adult, I understand it more. And I do think the writer strikes fair. Um, producers and the CEOs of companies' salaries uh, since, you know, the golden age have gone up like 900 uh percent you know like 900 times over whereas Mm. for actors and writers it's only like i don't know if like like double triple it's the amounts even though actors get a lot the amount that their salary has risen and writers even more so the amount there has risen in comparison to the higher people with the big pockets owning the companies is you know it's disgusting um so i think the strikes are yeah absolutely fair i do feel bad for indie films that's why i was kind of okay with yeah, I mean, um, it's, yeah. Um, it, there's some things you got to deal with to get the to, to get the outcome you want. I mean, theoretically, this should be, like, exceedingly painful for studios and producers right now because they're trying to come back post-pandemic. And, you know, this was a, a really great weekend at the box office. So you think they'd want to try and capitalize. But, of course, like, nobody from Barbie is out there doing any promotion. Not that it necessarily needs it. Nobody from Oppenheimer is doing any promotion. Not that it necessarily needs it. But... You know, there there will come a point where there are movies coming out in the next few weeks that will probably need that promotion. Um, the other part of this too is I I think because social media was kind of in its neater um at the during the last strike, and one of the things I've sort of taken note of is a lot of these a lot of the details that have come out, like a lot of writers and actors, and like not the obviously not the Tom Cruise types, but like the like the working actors, um, you know, who are talking about things like living in LA but the show they have been cast in is, you know shoots in Toronto or New York and they have to, so you know they are essentially living in two places you know the the production's obviously not picking up the cost of to help them they get you know a certain stipend mm-hmm. um to you know help them move once like at the beginning of the show so if the show goes 7 years they're not getting seven different stipends they're getting one um 
also the, the orange is the new black cast you know talking about how they were many of them were working second jobs as they were shooting the show which is just you know kind of bizarre because you know here you are on this hit One show successful netflix ones yeah exactly that yeah. and then you know you're not making enough money to live on i mean i think that i think yes, it shatters a lot of this... ideas people have yeah. about what hollywood is yeah and this is not like side characters this is you know this yeah is main characters. heavy main characters yeah, yeah. i don't yeah. know it's it's gross i do i feel bad for uh the writers one thing i'm curious about and some viewers might not be aware what effect does this have on canada our TV, our films, our writers, would this have had any effect on, let's say, BlackBerry if it had happened prior? Like, are in Canada, are we we in trouble? Is there anything we are stressed? Am I going to have to wait <laughs> uh, longer for uh, Farming Love Season 2? Is that what you're... Is great that what question. You're no, no, great question. It is, I, I think... From what I understand, it's the biggest impact is on American shows shooting in Canada. Okay. So if you're a Canadian actor and you're on an American show, you're probably also a member of SAG, which means that you can't work on uh, one of those shows. But for something like Murdoch Mysteries, which is a, a wholly Canadian production, no, that's still in business. Okay, perfect. What I'm worried about, though, is, and you kind of briefly mentioned it, mm. we're going to have way less American films uh mm-hmm. just that filmed here in canada so we're we're gonna you know make less money toronto vancouver hamilton and even guelph you know it's where uh not the majority but where a decent amount of our you know money comes in so that cambridge uh, cambridge too yeah I, yeah I so i'm very curious if there'll be you know anything noticeable montreal there. uh it's a big filming location um alberta where they shot the entirety of the last of us so yeah there, there i mean there's a there's a there are definitely big impacts here on canada not yeah. to not to mitigate that but um uh, in terms of homegrown stuff we're probably going to be okay there's for also for the states what i'm worried about uh, hmm. selfishly um and this is just thus far like a rumor it has not been confirmed but uh some people are saying you know dune 2 uh and some other like wonka might get uh pushed to 2024 or something yeah, if um, yeah, because if they don't get that sort of promotional window, I mean, stuff like TIFF, yeah. the Toronto International Film Festival, I mean, stars won't be able to come up, and you know that's all about kind of star power. It's all about getting like that's bringing bringing the the stars to get attention to those things. I mean, there there. I mean, people line get, up for <laughs> movies at, at TIFF, no problem. But I it'll mean, just be a of, bunch of Cronenberg pictures. It'll just be a bunch of yeah, yeah. Cronenberg to get stands. them. That's right. Uh, well, speaking of stands, uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and I think we're going to gush about Barbie a little. You're listening to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio.
Oh, looks like this beach was a little too much beach for you, Ken. If I wasn't severely injured, I would beat you off right now, Ken. I'll beat you off with you any day, Ken. Hold my ice cream, Ken. All right, Ken, you're on. Let's beat you off. Anyone who wants to beat him off has to beat me off first. I will beat both of you off at the same time. But you don't even know how to beat yourself off. How are you going to beat oh, both of us off? It doesn't make sense. Can you even beat yourself off? You're going to beat both of us off? Nobody's going to beat anyone off. Okay, that was a clip from Barbie. It's the new film from writer and director Greta Gerwig, and it stars Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, Issa Rae, Kate McKinnon, Rhea Perlman, Michael Sarah, American Ferreira, Ariana Greenblatt, Helen Mirren, and Will Ferrell. And Rhea Perlman. I said real I said Rhea Perlman. Oh, then I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good enough. Um, so Barbie, uh, obviously, being from Greta Gerwig and co-written by her partner Noah Baumbach, this was not going to be your typical Barbie movie. But how did it weigh against your expectations, Peter? Honestly, I thought I knew what it was going to be about. Mm-hmm. I knew it wasn't going to be you know basic Barbie. Like I've seen Gerwig's films. Like I knew it have some surreal uh, aspects to it, but it still surprised me. The plot was still not what I expected. Um, mm-hmm. I what I envisioned was more like the Disney film Enchantment or Disenchantment, mm-hmm. wherein yes, the beginning is heavily in the fantasy world, but like after twenty minutes, all in the real world. Whereas the real world in Barbie, it's just they just dip in and then they're back to the Barbie world. And that's where, like, you know, the dominant storyline and everything is. And I, I think that was very, yeah, I was surprised, but a good one. I thought that was, that was great. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, that's the only, that that's the only surprise for me. Um, <laughs> I did, I did. And I think a lot, anybody knows Gerwig. Like, I did know there would be some, yeah, surreal elements and definitely sprinkles of um, gender equality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was surprised by that too that they they come to the real world uh they see that it's not all cracked up to be um all or not all that is cracked up to be and go back i was not expecting the uh ken learning about patriarchy and then taking it back to barbie land to put it into practice um (laughs) that was a bit unexpected um but what i what i think about barbie is uh the movie um first of all it's a west it's like there's i was kind of feeling a bit of a wes anderson vibe here with like the meticulousness of which the barbie world is constructed oh absolutely but uh at the same time barbie came first and so maybe wes anderson you know he did <laughs> well wes anderson is basing it around like dollhouses and you know right like, miniature structures and everything so mm-hmm. i'm just saying you know the barbie might have also influenced him a bit but when it comes to its usage of set <laughs> design yeah absolutely she of course some some wes anderson inspiration there like um, there's there's a scene where they they're rollerblading and the the, the outfits that ken and barbie are wearing I swear I've seen those outfits on a Ken and Barbie, like working in the toy aisle at Zellers back of the day. Like, oh well, yeah, no, I, every single thing they wore, every single thing they wore was was yeah, a suit uh, that you could buy. Yeah, clothes. And like the like the little details, like the like the video Barbie with the TV in the back, that was a yeah. real thing. Oh yeah, it was, it was. Uh, even the um, uh, sugar daddy, he's he was, yeah, he, yeah, he was real. No, 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 uh, sugar's daddy. My sugar's daddy. It's My a possessive. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah it's um it's it's funny how it, it sort of dines out on those little details and it, it, a lot of the humor is in the, these little details um the message yeah, jo- jokes jokes everywhere yeah and jokes not, everywhere not just, yeah not just in your face um even just uh a lot of um like slapstick uh like physical comedy like just mm-hmm. the way you see their move moves their arms you know uh, at the one that like the dancing scene um alan oh. sarah he's not even dancing but you just quickly see him by himself just doing a quick little dance and it, it's really it's cute and funny at the same time how great is um, it to see michael sarah in a big movie again yes and i think one of the best things about this i just assumed because we had already been displayed so many like alan memes and clips i thought that would be it but he's in it a good amount he's in it a good amount he's not uh you yeah know, he's not a cameo alan is he's a character he's a character yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah no i was just happy to see michael sarah again um uh, american ferrera too i hadn't really done much research she was in it like she would like i would say like third most main fourth most main so that was really great to see i've you know loved her myself since uh ugly betty watching ugly betty again right now it's on disney plus you should all catch it yeah um, for for uh, practice i'm watching it fully in french and whoever did the french voice for american ferrera is mwah, perfect so good on you um but i, I just want to say american ferrera she's like the human the main human and she's like really good in it and lovable uh if you're a superstore fan she's kind of not that so much but she's very lovable in this she's a good mom and just person and funny yeah what i think first of all um we're gonna leave aside any and all questions about watching ugly betty and french as practice uh that seems like a rabbit hole but um for america for yeah she was really good like the cast is like is sort of like uniformly great like just yeah the, all around simu lu simu lu stand out as well as the <laughs> i guess evil ken combatant ken uh well he's actually ken number one in the credits oh uh, okay sorry so i mean <laughs> yeah ken number one uh kingsley benadir is ken number two <laughs> um and john cena as merman ken that was brilliant. I mean, the, the the film is filled with like just like and having Kate McKinnon as uh, quote unquote weird Barbie. That was, I think, one of the most um, the performances <laughs> I was most impressed with. And her <laughs> den, too, it had so many references to like the way she was sitting up on the one wall. It was like cats and there was like some warrior vibes. It was just really a really good environment. Her her little hut, you know, <laughs> yeah, her little hobble. Yeah, yeah, her hobble. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there are so many like just little jokes like that um so even like just on the surface i i think this is there's a lot to recommend barbie just in terms of like joke per minute and sight gags and things like that the other part of it is like the some of the messaging and uh, uh we have seen a lot of um shall we say gruntlement from the likes of um ben shapiro about how woke barbie is it's so woke um, I, w- I wouldn't even say it's like I've seen more. No, I like, wouldn't say it's heavily, heavily yeah. liberal films. It's yeah, I w- like it's pro Barbie, like you know. It is well. I mean, that's the thing. It is pro Barbie, and that gets into a lot of the some of the, some of the stuff with Rio Perlman at the end of the film. But I mean, I think well, first of all, the word woke is terribly overused. That it's so so much that it really doesn't have any meaning at all anymore. But the the other thing of it too is. I think the, in the Oxford now, though, which, you know, I don't know how. I oh, is it? That. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, if let me just say, if people are going to be using woke, I'd at least like there to be a proper definition of it somewhere from Oxford or Merriam-Webster or, you know, one of the brand name dictionaries. 
But uh, <laughs> yeah, because then, then at least it can't be like manipulated and, and used in a more evil way. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, but 2017. Leaving <laughs> that aside, that, what what I think about this movie is we talked about the plot point where Ken is in the real world and learns about patriarchy, and <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I swear, he's not aware. He's not even fully aware of what patriarchy well, <laughs> is as he's like teaching it. But I mean, that's the point. Is like. And I think the message that all those people who use woke wrong uh, it's completely misses. Like he takes patriarchy back to Barbie Land and implements, and it's all like we're going to hang pictures of horses everywhere, and we're going to have you know cars and you know sports utility vehicles, and no more dream homes. And yeah. like, there, there's literally a line at one point where Ken says, "Once I found out that patriarchy wasn't about horses, I lost interest." <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's one of the best lines. And I also enjoy how, like, even from the beginning, Alan is not down for any of that. Right. And it's, I think it's that is very helpful to, I think, the guys viewing. And, you know, yes, there's like a patriarchal system. You don't have to fall along with it. And, like, you don't have to like it. And if you don't like it, that's, mm-hmm. that's okay. That's okay. You know? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I like that. I, I identified with, with Alan regarding that. I've never been super into like the rock and stuff so well there, there's there's so much of it that i feel like if you if you get over the buzzwords of it, it it's it's making like greta gerwig and noah bombach seem to be interested in like what is the role of ken and there's kind of a role of that like in terms of like modern our, our thoughts about modern masculinity and you know there, there's a line ken says like what am i if i'm not in barbie's gaze and you know yeah. there's there's this idea this kind of inversion that you know ken is nothing without barbie mm-hmm. and so you know what is his role if you know if barbie has other ideas aside from wanting to be with ken which is one of the plot points of the film is like she's kind of becomes um in you know kind of interested in these like existential things about existence and you know what what she does with her day aside from going to the beach and and you know having girls night at the end of every day um and if you know barbie's interest isn't ken well what is the point of ken and you know it's not too dissimilar to you know what a lot of men are feeling right now which is you know a lot of the focus understandably so on raising up women that you know there is a problem with men falling behind too yeah exactly and i so i kind of yeah hope that some guys with that worry will view this and you know that worry will go away or they'll feel better right realize that like they they're just ken not like an and ken you know right right (laughs) i i am kenuff yeah yeah exactly (laughs) i also um it's funny because uh he referred to it as woke but there's a lot of other Mm. uh social there's like a lot of other things I think he'd be against that like aren't even directly presented or mentioned in the film. The mm. one thing I loved, I didn't know she was going to be in it. Uh, Harry Neff as the uh, yes. Doctor Barbie. That's um, right. I, I love her. She was great in uh, the Idol too. Mm. <laughs> I which I like. You know, um, <laughs> that's one. <laughs> uh, yeah, and she's, she's a, a trans individual, right? But that's not brought up in the film. She's it's not even mentioned. Yeah, it's... and a doctor, which itself is beautiful. And uh, I'm curious if like Ben Shapiro people are even aware of that. You know, um, I doubt. I doubt it even occurred to Ben Shapiro. That yeah, it, and it's... if they didn't, then does it matter at all that the tri- you know like? <laughs> well, and and this is I, I was saw somebody with a Twitter thread this morning. It's like, you know, 
if you're if you're waking up to today and going like, oh, Barbie is so woke because you saw the movie, you, you clearly don't pay attention to the history of Barbie. And one of the first things in the thread was like the Barbie Dreamhouse was introduced in I think 1963, shortly after Barbie comes out, she gets the Dreamhouse. And in 1963, there were so many places where women couldn't get their own mortgage. Yep. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> or exactly. their own credit card. So here we are in 1963. Barbie has Barbie is a homeowner when the fact of the matter is so many women in the real world couldn't be homeowners couldn't, yeah. on their own. So, I mean, from that perspective and, you know, again, speaking to the complete misunderstanding of woke, there was some controversy about Sesame street uh, a couple of years ago that everyone was going, Oh, it's so woke. Sesame street. So woke. it's like, what do you mean? Sesame street is so woke. Sesame street's always been woke. It's an urban street and a big city uh, that is filled with like diverse people interacting and yes, they all love again. they all love education that to me like sesame street is, has always been woke if you're using that definition of the term so <laughs> yeah i mean the fact that we also get proust barbie in this um which wait which barbie proust barbie you know the barbie is an expert in in proust uh yeah the proust sure. scholar barbie okay <laughs> So I mean that it's it's almost oh, like, like rubbing the, their the French novelist, the French novelist Proust. Yes, yeah. I can't oh, remember. Also, one thing that I liked um, at mm. the part with because uh, we were discussing, you know, like when the Kens took over, mm. there was like a lot of just quick uh, talks shown, and one of them, anybody listening, if you're a fan of the Pavement Band, uh, <laughs> you know the the ten out of ten eighty rock, you know, they're very historically important. Um, uh, Stephen Malcolmus, uh, the main guy, he's mentioned. It's quick mention, quick mention, mm -hmm. and it's because um, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbacher are huge Pavement fans. So, anybody listening to this, if you haven't seen it yet, and you're a fan of Pavement, you should you'll you'll get the reference. And it feels also good. also big yeah. shout out to both Indigo Girls and Max Box Max Box Matchbox Twenty. Oh, in, in the film, absolutely. Too. I I'm that I really related to because I love like. I was just talking about pavement, right? Like I love mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. techno and all that, but you know what else I love? I love me a little Matchbox Twenty every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. I, and and this film made me more okay to say that I like Matchbox Twenty. I do wonder how they feel about sort of being the now the poster child of you know sad <laughs> sad songs <laughs> men sing to women to romance them. I think they are more than okay with that. <laughs> I we're talking about Matchbox 20 in the year 2023, so it can't all be bad. Yeah, but no, I just think it's funny because they're re they're referenced once, and you think, oh, that's a funny reference. And then there's like a huge uh, uh, song and dance that's, that's all Matchbox 20. Yeah, there's... You can totally tell that like Noah Bombach took over uh, <laughs> the, 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 like, the guy scenes when they take over the Barbie land. You could tell he, he definitely had some focus on those lines. Also, the 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 big Ken dance sequence. Uh, first of all, so many bizarre references in this. Like, the, I, I if you had the one grease dance, I believe. Yeah, yeah, like <laughs> the auto shop dance. Because I, yeah, I was. I, <laughs> well, the, there was also the sequence when after the it's either before or after the Kens are fighting each other, where they have like the the, sh the full sharks and jets dance off. Um. Yes, you're right. West Side Story. It was definitely. It, it, yeah, West it Side also Story. reminded me of um, speaking of Noah Baumbach, the end of White Noise, or just like an elaborate dance sequence is its own reward. Um, <laughs> but also, 
there's so much going on in this. It, you know, the Saving Private Ryan reference, or <laughs> I'll see you on the Malibu beach. That was fun. Yeah, that see, and that made me really uh relate heavily because you know like the patriarchal system is like everybody loves yeah like saving private ryan and stuff right i saw mm-hmm. that when i was younger i don't like saving private ryan i find it very boring and too heavily military focused for, for my interests right i'm 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 a pacifist so mm. i really um but you're right the middle such sex a, such a quick line but i really related heavily uh, to that in the way that the film intended but there's also like the whole thing at mattel headquarters it looks like brazil in mattel it's like gray everywhere. These like tall cubicles. It's <laughs> it just feels like a Terry Gilliam movie breaks out in the middle of this Barbie movie when they yes, go. Yes, I was I was thinking some of that too. Yeah, there was some um, some Terry Gilliam for sure. Um, just yeah, with the surreal of it, but the extravagant surrealism, the, almost like a a circus. Um, and that was great. And it really was. And um, even though it was like the same set, uh, how quickly the house and everything was changed when the guys took over was mm-hmm. uh, really well done too. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> it's it's so much. It's 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 such a weird movie. Um, I'm kind of surprised how accessible it is. Even though, again, we're talking about all these like weird references and, and cultural touchstones and things, but it's so accessible too. And I think this is like the real gift of 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 what Greta Gerwig's produced here that it, it's like so open it's so accessible you can take whatever message you can take a variety of messages you want from it it's not just about one message it's not just about the Barbie side of things it's not just about the Ken side of things it's not just about the feminist side of things there's like there's some kind of like real discussion going on here but at the same time it's like such a massively entertaining movie that's throwing so much stuff at you you don't really get a chance to think about it till after it's over. Yeah, exactly. Which so it kind of in that way works works for everybody. There might be even some social conservative people that don't process enough until after, so they enjoy <laughs> it during and then maybe after. But <laughs> but yeah, I, I, it's really it's wonderful. It's I think it, it really what I think it really embraces is the the conflicting nature. There's a thing where Barbie goes to the real world. She thinks it's to, to confront this the girl who plays with her and um, the girl, Sasha, who turns out America Ferreira is her mom, you know, throws a lot of these things at Barbie, which are like true, but on the other hand, kind of unfair because, you know, Barb Barbie as a doll, as a product has done a lot to like, you can, as, you know, Hey, young girl, you can be anything. You can do anything. They have uh, a Barbie who's um, d- disabled. She's in a wheelchair. They've had, They've created Barbies that have prosthetics. They've created Barbies of different race. There's now a Down Syndrome Barbie that they collaborated with um, one of the Down Syndrome advocacy groups to create. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, there are like sort of legitimate criticisms of of Barbie too about you know you know the pressure on young women to be perfect and um, the the movie yeah, kind and- of reconciling all that and I, I find that very interesting. Just like it's the movie struggling to understand Barbie's place and things as well, as well as us as people participating in the culture. Yeah. Uh, and I also like mad respect to that because it's like produced by Mattel film. So they were able yeah. to actually, uh, that's so rare for a company to bring in some of their flaws and like discuss. Yeah. Them, you know, that's true. Sony just Sony stick is they just, they don't talk ever. They just don't <laughs> really respond to questions. Whereas Mattel, yeah, it really directly displayed some of the issues people have, um, you know, uh, presented to them and, and really uh, in a good way. So well, it's, just, was it's just such wonderful. a counterpoint too. like we, we talked about Transformers 
the the Beast Wars Transformers movie, which I I haven't seen it, but I know it ends with like a post credit scene where the main human character gets recruited into GI Joe, which is just like so. It's like another example of the cynical extended universe ephemera of of today's modern filmmaking. Then you have this film about like the most well known, bestest selling doll that's ever existed. Yeah, and it's poking holes in its own mythology for two hours. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Do you, uh, what, uh, well, I'm assuming we'll review it at, itself at some point, but, uh, just like a quick, you know, mm. um, personally, would you mm. say you preferred Barbie or Oppenheimer? Mm, I don't know. They're two, Are they, they're just so they're different. two entirely different movies. I mean, I, I, I did the Barbenheimer straight. I did, you know, Barbie Then I went to Oppenheimer and, I mean, I walked away having a very satisfying afternoon at the movies. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there you go. That's, that's, if that's the most you can ask for, then hey, mission accomplished. Yeah. Any flaws? Any flaws in Barbie? I Honestly, thought this, yeah. the speech, the American Ferrera speech about being a, being a woman, that was a little on the nose considering the movie had been making the point the whole time. Uh, okay that's fair that's fair <laughs> i myself the only flaw is i would have been okay if it was like two hours 10 minutes and there was like mm. one more grand song and dance just one more is all i wanted <laughs> well if that's what you call a flaw uh that's that means that's, that's more a desire <laughs> a desire because it was just so great i wanted to pinch more you know? well you know 155 million dollars in the opening weekend might buy you a sequel so uh, also i'm like just looking at it right now and it's made mm. it's at like 370 million for like, worldwide hey, yeah yeah that, that's wild that's like that came is, out yeah. not even a week ago right well it came out friday well thursday technically <laughs> yeah but... it came yeah it came out like three days ago yeah so it's yeah madness it's good it on is... you gerwig and Mar- yeah. well you know what i just feel i feel bad we haven't really directly mentioned margot robbie uh, I guess we've been yeah. mentioning Barbie the whole time, but yeah, she was wonderful. She was just Barbie. She was, she was the, great. Yeah, she was the she's Barbie. Yeah. She's. I mean, it's hard to imagine someone else being able to 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 conjure the you know the the pathos. Uh, the but narrator also the, at the one scene even makes a little joke about that. Like, yeah, Margot Robbie is not the else. actress. To make this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to make the point of anybody. Uh, yeah, as good as being Barbie. Yeah. Um, but it, fur- and, it further uh, secures her as a great talent. And, and I mean, but like Ryan Gosling is is also like hilarious as Ken. Everybody's saying that like best supporting actor. And like, I, I totally agree with that. I would love to see Absolutely. best supporting actor come down to Ryan Gosling versus Glenn Howerton for Blackberry. That would be so much fun. Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> let's make um, it happen. Let's be- as speaking as academy voters let's make it happen uh that's it for this week's show we hope you liked it you can listen to us again uh through our website and creditsradioshow.com you can find us on the guelph politicast channel every friday at podbeam or through your favorite podcast app at apple stitcher google TuneIn, and spotify and when you're on Spotify, you can find the playlist for much of the music that you hear on end credits. Just open up Spotify and search for end credits on CFRU. You can also find us on social media. We're on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show, and we're on Twitter at End Credits Radio. And Peter, where else can people find you out there on the internet? As per usual, Mr. Tarak on good old YouTube and Twitter. Uh, oh, I just yeah, I guess still to X on X. I'm Mr. Tarak on X, and um, what else is there? Letterbox, Peter Wesley Salmon. So just uh, my usual my usual name i'm not saying x i'll be back here on cfru tomorrow at 5 p.m for news and politics on open sources guelph with scotty hertz in the meantime 
I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, or you could check out my news and politics site at wealthpolitico.ca. And you can stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We shall return, of course, next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for more end credits, and we will see you then.